So guys, have you ever thought that if you had more money, if you had um, a hotter man or woman, or if you had X, Y, or Z, you'd be happier? Do you really think having everything you want will get you to be happy? Or maybe is it a mindset? Is it something else? Maybe you need to be comfortable with yourself. Well, today we're talking to a super special guest, um, Sophia Reisinger. I hope I'm saying her name correctly. (laughs) And hopefully we'll find out. So let's go, guys. Hola, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pretty Sure Podcast, the podcast where we talk about life, love, travel, business, and everything in between. Life tends to get messy sometimes, and nobody really taught us how to live it. With your new best friend, confidant, and host, yours truly, Sabrina. I will always have your back, and it is my mission that you never feel alone again, because I'm always here. So fasten your seatbelts, because the ride is about to get really bumpy. Welcome to season two, Let's go. Welcome back, guys, to Pretty Sure. Um, today's topic is a really interesting one. So, first, I'm going to start with a little story because I feel it kind of goes with the whole theme of money and what comes with it, and what's true happiness, and what happens when you have it all but you're not super happy or you feel like there's something missing. So most of you know Gossip Girl. If not, highly recommend to watch it. And while I was growing up, that's literally all I wanted in life. I wanted to be Serena Vanderwoodson or Blair Waldorf, like all the cars, the money, the bags, and obviously Chuck, baby Chuck. I love him. Um, But I always grew up with watching those types of series and movies and thinking, wow, oh my God, they must have like their lives figured out. It must be amazing to have like a private jet and do this and do that and be able to do whatever you want, whenever you want. Um, And I've had some friends along the years that have showed me that that's actually not what life is like. And while it's pretty, it's nice. If you're not happy with yourself, that doesn't mean anything. And so when I met Sophia Reisinger, who's our guest today, she is an international course expert, online course expert, and she's gone through a lot of hardship. She's gone through a lot of things in her life, and we're going to hear more about it, and hopefully she can give us some insight. So welcome, Sophia. I know it's your first podcast interview, and I'm so glad you're on here, and let's start with your story, shall we? Sounds wonderful, and thanks so much for having me, Sabrina. I'm super excited to be chatting with you today, and you know, you are so accurate. <laughs> you can have it all and still not feel like you're good enough or like you have enough. Um, in relation to what you said about Gossip Girl, I'm completely yeah. with you on that. I love Chuck. I was always oh my God, yes. pining <laughs> to be like, oh, I want to be Serena Vanderwoodson. And similarly with 90210, um, seeing yeah. live that lifestyle, but then also the Ritz, the glamour, all of it. So completely agree about that. So I guess with my story, um, is that what the question was? Yeah, yeah. Just tell your story. Tell us a bit about yourself, whatever you want to say before we dive into the questions. Yeah, for sure. So I grew up in a small city called Saskatoon, which is in Canada. I was the youngest sibling of four, but I had a kind of traumatic past with a lot of pain in my family and pretty much just feeling kind of inadequate. From the outside looking in, it probably appeared like I had a pretty perfect life. In fact, maybe even like uniquely stacked, like a stacked deck. Um, Because my family had money, like private plane money, (laughs) Ferrari kind of money. Uh, But the truth is, though, um, I did have a pretty traumatic past within all of that. And for the majority of my life, I severely struggled with knowing who am I? Where do I fit in in this world? Um, Am I capable? Am I worthy? I was so insecure and I never really felt like I was good enough. So like no matter what I looked like, no matter how I acted or what I accomplished, I just never truly felt good enough in my skin. So I basically, right out of high school, I went to university for business school um, because I thought, you know, that it was kind of expected of me. And I just kind of went along with that because that's what everyone else was doing was going to university (laughs) because I didn't think I had what it took 
to do anything else. And I didn't know anything else. So um, I basically, I just made a lot less money than I was capable of right out of school, settling for a nine to five job <laughs> that wasn't actually what I really, really wanted. Like not giving me the hours, the freedom, the fulfillment, you know, fulfilling what yeah. I'm capable of doing, you know, because I didn't think I was smart enough or like who I was, was good enough <laughs> to start my own businesses and like who I was, was good enough to have the life I actually wanted. So I can kind of go into the more traumatic stuff and the kind of experiences that shaped me. Um, do you want me to get into that? Sure, if you want, or we can leave that for the questions, however you feel. I always let you guys speak your truth however you want to speak them. If you want to speak a lot, if you don't, if you just want to keep it short, go ahead. So feel free. Okay, well, I'll brush on them quickly and if you have any questions from them specifically, then that is fine. We'll do it that way. Perfect. So, Go ahead. Yeah. So my siblings and I, we were all diagnosed with ADHD and medicated for it from a young age. So right off the bat, I always felt like there was something wrong with me. And, mm -hmm. you know, I guess having that kind of a crutch, it really makes you turn to other like unhealthy coping mechanisms and, for my two bigger brothers, it actually ended up leading to drug addiction, but I'm not going to touch on that now. But anyway, so when I was eight years old, I was sexually abused a couple of times. And this was from someone who I later found out this person had also been sexually abused from like the culty church that my family used to attend. Oh, so wow. yeah, crazy, right? So from this young age, I basically took the meaning that the point of my existence was to please men and that all of my worth was placed on my appearance. So <laughs> pretty um, interesting way to grow up and start, you know, when you become a teenager, you're dating and you start sure. curious about boys, <laughs> obviously, but it makes you act a lot different um, in relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely agree. It must have been so hard to kind of like deal with that and then be like, hmm, is this normal? Am I going through something that's okay? How should I feel about this? Yeah, exactly. It was very challenging, I would say. And I wasn't even aware of it at the time. Like I didn't realize why I acted the way I did with guys. I would just yeah. sort of get into the relationship and hop into things thinking that that's all that mattered but really um it's just not the way it ended up um being if that makes sense yeah for sure I definitely agree and I think a lot of people might agree with you on that because like you said nobody really teaches us anything when we're growing up and we sometimes maybe have difficult experiences trauma like you had or other things that we see other people do and we're like, oh, that's normal. Like, that's fine. And then down the road, you're like you, you're like, oh, wait, that was never fine. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. You know, you look back and you think, okay, I think I have better standards for myself and who I, who I want to accept in my life. And yeah. Yeah, I just have to set a new standard <laughs> moving forward for sure. <laughs> for sure. That's great to hear that you've learned from all of your experiences and that you've, you know, overcome things. And we're going to definitely talk about them more in detail. But my first question to you is, what does happiness mean to you? And do you think that you were happy growing up with everything that happened, like overall? Great question. So happiness to me has always been kind of like a particular feeling. Like you hear people say, all I want in life is to be happy. Mm -hmm. But I feel like to me, there's a huge difference between feeling happy compared to creating a life that actually has meaning and fulfillment, because I feel like happiness can be a fleeting kind of off and on again emotion, just like sadness, um, anger, <laughs> stress, yeah. or bliss, right? So if our emotions are affected by external circumstances, then I think that people might have lower likeliness of actually staying happy that often because, mm -hmm. you know, we don't really have that much control on our external stimuli to a point. Um, 
But this can be a good thing because we do have control over ourselves and how we respond. So I feel like if we can cultivate and draw upon our happiness and gratitude from within and have it not depend on external factors, I really think then that's when we can experience the emotion of happiness more often. So I guess to sum that up, I feel like happiness is so important to experience, but I think it's more important and even impactful to consciously create a life that has meaning meaning, and doing something fulfilling with the short amount of time that we have in this lifetime. So I guess the second question was that... Um, Were you happy growing up? Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I would say I felt happy sometimes growing up, but honestly, most of my memories, I remember feeling sad and lonely and lost and happiness was fleeting. Like it was not, not the main emotion. That's for sure. Yeah. Was that because you think there was something like missing in your life or was it more of like your mindset back then, or you just weren't really sure, like you mentioned what you had to do? Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because at the time I wasn't, of course, like consciously trying to figure out how I could create my feelings the way I wanted to or how to create the results I wanted. So at the time, all I knew was, uh, it's hard to explain. It's just comparing what you knew then to what you didn't know you could have, if that makes sense. So I didn't know that I could feel more fulfilled or feel more joy at the time. So it was all I knew. So it was kind of just like settling for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I get that. I think what was missing was uh, just the personal development, that like connection to myself, that awareness of who I am and how I can show up in the world in an even better way. For sure. I'm not entirely sure if you can actually get that as you're a child or if that comes with age. That's something that I've recently started wondering because it's like, even if you have everything easy when you're a child, like maybe you went through life without trauma, whatever, it doesn't really come to you, you think, or is it something that you grow into regardless of your circumstances? Yeah, great question. That is something to ponder. I think everything good comes with contrast. So for every good thing, mm-hmm. there's an equal um, bad thing, you know? So you don't really, you, well, you can, of course, tap into your gratitude and what's good. Uh, without having the, you know, the trauma or the bad or the mediocrity. But I think some adults go through life without ever, ever grasping this stuff either. I don't necessarily think it comes with age. I think it comes with the intent to uh, create the life and the feeling that you want to. I can agree. I like that. I like the way you think about it. It sounds like a good theory to have. I stand by that. (laughs) And so growing up, you know, with everything that you had that you mentioned, did you ever take anything for granted or were you just like super happy? First of all, did you know that, you know, like you said, you had all your cards stacked right, stacked right, or did you just not know any different? Okay, this is a good question. And I'd say quite the opposite to who I am now, which is super grateful for everything I have and even grateful for the the things that I don't yet have. So... Back in the day, there was a period where I just didn't even know that what I had was uh, in comparison, everything's relative, um, in comparison more than other people. But I think I was <laughs> quite literally, I was a spoiled brat, <laughs> not going <laughs> to lie. Um, I was that kid who would like <laughs> scream about like putting socks on because I didn't like the way they felt like <laughs> Felt like I deserved whatever I wanted. I don't know if you relate yeah. to the box thing. Not really related to wealth at all, but just like yeah. being picky. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Well, that's funny. Yeah. So if I didn't get the way, like if I didn't get my way or someone told me no, I would still find a way to get what I wanted. But even when I got more, it never seemed like enough. It was just unsatisfying. And if I mm-hmm. could just have like, XYZ shoes, like Prada shoes or whatever bag or trip or whatever, then I'd feel better. You know, then my wardrobe would be complete. Then I'd be complete. Um, yeah. 
you know, all these things I wanted back then, like being a shopaholic, a mask consumerist. Um, <laughs> it was definitely like a fix, a mask, kind of just like a coping mechanism of trying to fill a void. Um, yeah. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I still like shopping, <laughs> but today it's not like um, I feel the need to hoard a bunch of items and always uh, be caught up on fast fashion or anything. Yeah. It's more like, oh, I find this pretty, so I want it, even if it's X amount of dollars, even if it's whatever brand. It's just like, oh, I actually like it, so I want it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally relate to that. Um, well, I w- didn't have any brothers. I was an only child. I'm an only child, so I can kind of relate to that as well, like you. I used to like to get my own way and, you know, cry a lot and beg a lot and stuff like that. So I don't think you're the only one with that. Okay. Don't worry. <laughs> well, that's definitely reassuring. And my my fiancé is an only child as well. So hearing his stories of, you know, all the attention from both parents – on yeah. one kid, I'm like, that is something I don't know. Because <laughs> I I had three siblings. Yeah. Honestly, um, like you said, we want things that we don't have. So I was always a type of person that I was like, oh my God, I wish I had a brother so they would leave me alone, you know? And I'm sure you thought, oh my God, I wish I was an only child, right? Not having to compete in whatever for attention. So perspectives. <laughs> Definitely. Greener pastures. Grass is always greener on the other side until we start watering our own. (laughs) Exactly. I love that. So speaking of like insecurities and hardships and stuff, do you think they happened to you or you had those because of your wealth? Or was it more of, you know, you were in your insecurities yourself and that had nothing to do with wealth? Hmm. I would say that it is definitely a combination I would say that someone else could have grown up in my exact situation and could have looked back on it and said, wow, that was the coolest childhood ever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, like, I think it's a huge mindset thing, but I also don't think I was meant to experience it the way I did in a way that felt like suffering and pain because it brought me to where I am now, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Yeah. So I think that some of the hardships that came because of the wealth, I would say, was not feeling like I deserved anything that I had, um, not earning it myself back in the day, and people making assumptions about me, assuming that I had it all easy, or even... I don't know if you can hear my dog barking in the back. (laughs) That's perfectly (laughs) fine. Real life, guys. Yeah, real life. And then, you know, once I actually did start earning my own money, there are definitely some people who would make assumptions that I got it handed to me or that I had easy connections or that I didn't earn it myself. So I'd say that's definitely part of the piece. But I'd say it's mostly a mindset thing from – the hardships back then. Um, yeah, you used to yeah. think that everything had to come from outside of myself, um, which is funny given all the what people would assume about what I would have had. I felt like I didn't have enough given to me in order to make money or to succeed. <laughs> so it's just That's shifting that. Sorry? That's interesting. Yeah, it's like shifting that mindset thing, knowing and actually believing I have everything I need within me to earn my own wealth, to make a difference, to help people. And I do deserve to feel abundant. And I am worthy of feeling secure. And I am good enough. I love those. So speaking, you're the one that mentioned it. So speaking of money in general, why do you think people have such a negative attitude towards it? Like if you don't have it, you want it, you resent other people. If you have it, you either want more or you're never happy or you wish you didn't have it. Like why do you think it has such a negative connotation? Yeah. So I think there's a few factors that makes money have such a negative connotation So societal paradigms, basically. So within movies, stereotypes, um, news, just what is commonly believed is generally what most people uh, follow because most people 
think they're thinking, but they're not actually thinking. <laughs> so they just go along with what everyone else thinks, right? So many people have been conditioned. They've heard over and over again, whether from you know biased news networks or in movies, um, they depict scenes where people with money are selfish or maybe they had to do bad things and take advantage of other people um, in order to make... Uh, you know, to kind of take more than their uh, supposed uh, fair share of the pie. But I think another factor too is that because wealth is less common, uh, the majority of people obviously aren't earning (laughs) more than average income. So Mm -hmm. since they're more rare, they're kind of few and far between, it kind of makes you the odd one out. And it makes you not really part of the, uh, I guess, like the school of fish. (laughs) so to speak you're kind of like swimming out by yourself so that can make a lot of people think that you're like a shark out there (laughs) swimming instead of just like a lost little Nemo (laughs) who had to go leave the herd in order to uh, make the difference make the impact that they wanted to make and so I think that's another factor and people who are angry. I'm sure you have maybe felt this way yourself or seen other people, but like people who get angry or upset that other people have more money or more wealth. um, I think it's them suppressing that they actually want more for themselves and they just aren't taking any action to change it. And they feel like they have no power to do anything about it themselves So if those people, though, if they continue to have that bad attitude towards money and people who have money, they're definitely going to stay stuck with their (laughs) income bracket. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, my God. That just reminded me of one of my ex-boyfriends. I had actually totally forgot about that. He was like from a very irrelevant. He was from like a very wealthy family. But he himself was like, oh, my God, I don't have any money. I hate this. Like my parents, blah, blah, blah. So what you said totally relates. It's like the more he thought of it, the more he the less he had. Right. Yeah. And it depends what perspective and attitude you look at it from, because you can have a million dollars and feel absolutely broke or you can look at a million dollars and feel like you're a billionaire. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's all about perspective. Like we were saying, I love that point that you're making. So, you know, something that's usually said when you have a lot of money or just money in general, you have wealth is that you always get into vices. You obviously have, you know, firsthand experience seeing that from friends, from relatives, from everything, from the circles you've run in, et cetera, et cetera. Why do you think that is? First of all, why is that like a common misconception? And do you think money kind of also relates to being unhappy? Okay, interesting. So I think it's a generalization for sure. It's a stereotype Mm -hmm. that definitely goes both ways. I think Mm -hmm. it's also a stereotype that people who experience poverty um, may also have a lot of unhealthy or sometimes criminal behaviors in order to cope. Um, But I, of course, I think it's possible in all income levels to acquire negative habits as a means Mm -hmm. of trying to survive, trying to cope because you don't know any better or because you occasionally choose worse and then it becomes a habit. So, you know, everything in life has its ups and downs and uncertainties, no matter what your Mm -hmm. income is. I don't think um, money makes you unhappy. I think it's how you experience money and how you Um, what your mindset is pretty much how you spend your time. If you have meaning, if you have fulfillment that makes you feel happy or unhappy. Um, But I guess if we're going to talk about like, what are the contributing factors that cause people to have unhealthy vices? Mm -hmm. um, I think like a couple come to mind off the bat. I think the first, probably the biggest one, and I might be biased, <laughs> so <laughs> I'll say that first. But to me, the largest factor is having no connection or belief or faith in a higher power. So, mm-hmm. of course, to everyone, this is different, whether it's God, spirit, universal energy, something. Um, if people believe in nothing greater than themselves, it can cause a lot of pain <laughs> because then their life is just about themselves, if that makes sense. And a second one 
um, that would cause people to be unhappy and start having vices and then, um, you know, turn to <laughs> drugs, substances or whatever, uh, would be having no purpose. Like, you know, life wouldn't be any different if I wasn't here. Um, there's no reason for my existence. I have nothing to add to life or to society or to other people's lives and nothing meaningful or purposeful to grow and work towards. Yeah. Yeah, you're definitely right. How did you actually find your purpose? Because I know before we were talking about this, you were telling me that despite, you know, growing up wealthy and everything, you were at one point broke because you were miserable. Like, how did you change your whole mindset? How did you turn the situation around? And what made you want to like, okay, I need to do something because this is not what I want my life to be like? Yes. So basically, what was the turning point is what you're asking, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, a lot of people describe like one event being the pivotal <laughs> event where they were suddenly like, aha, <laughs> I need to change everything. And for me, it wasn't quite like that. I can't pin it down to one moment, although there were many moments that I didn't feel too good about. So when I was 17, my oldest brother, he died from a drug overdose. And probably starting from around then is when I started to be like, okay, I need to figure out my life. <laughs> I need to figure out this whole life thing. What is life here? Like, I, it's so short. How do I make the best of this time? How do I, you know, fulfill my destiny? How do I make more money? How do I become happy? Like, you know, all this stuff. I started to ask yeah. all these questions and started to search for clarity. So I, at the time, was still in the habit of like drinking, partying, um, dating guys <laughs> who used me and stole money from me. <laughs> so I didn't really do anything too drastic for probably two or three years after this happened. And then I got into personal development. I started studying like Bob Proctor, Tony Robbins. I started uh, putting a lot of money into mentors because I was like, you know what? I'm not willing to settle for like just going day in, day out at a nine to five job um, without doing something more meaningful, without actually making um, a lot of money and earning it yeah. myself. Like my dad <laughs> from a young age, and he had good intentions, but he would always say, you know what, like as a woman, you can just find a man you know, and he meant it. He didn't mean it in a bad way, but I mean, to me as a little girl, I took that as like, all you need to do is look good, bake cookies and you're very rich. So I didn't want to believe that. So if I became determined to prove this wrong and I don't mean it in a way that I'm not an ultra feminist where I think that, you know, men are the same as women because we're not. And I don't think we should be we should obviously have equal rights, but I mean, treated the same, probably not. <laughs> we are For sure, I agree. And we have different strengths, which we should use. So <laughs> that was kind of a roundabout way of saying <laughs> that from there, I uh, basically started studying more personal development, looking more deeply at my strengths, my passions, and figuring out what can I do that's unique what have I been through and overcome that I could help other people with? So in terms of finding your purpose, I think a lot of people, they'll go searching for it. They think, okay, I'll go travel. You know, they graduate university and they're like, okay, well, before I get tied down with a job, I'm going to go travel. I'm going to go explore and then I'll find my purpose. <laughs> or they think I'll start this job and then I'll find my purpose. And then they end up working it for like, five, 10, 20 years, they still don't have their purpose or they come back from traveling and they're still clueless. It's just an excuse. It's a delay. Yeah. So finding your purpose is from within you. You don't need to go anywhere outside of yourself to find your purpose. It's a matter of deeply analyzing in a, in a strategic way, but looking back on everything you have experienced and been through and spending that time, that energy to explore within yourself to find your purpose. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes all the sense. So is that 
So you said you have a culmination of situations. So it was that. And then what was the last thing, you know, kind of like the last straw that you were like, nope, this needs to change now. <laughs> okay. So this one is interesting. And whew, okay. So basically what brought me to create the current business I have, which mm -hmm. is helping women turn their past into their purpose and then you know, turning their passion into an impactful, profitable online course was <laughs> I basically gave up and I'll explain the story. So this is probably a year and a half ago. I, at this point, had already started up six different businesses and wow. yeah, so while lots of these were profitable, lots of them were actual viable uh, concepts they were great. They just weren't quite doing it for me. And I took a program called Lead the Field from Bob Proctor. And what my goal from the end of this was so, so big, but I still had so much self-doubt within me that I didn't think I could help all the people I wanted to help. I didn't feel like I was good enough. So basically what I did, as awful as it sounds, I was with my fiance at the time, I ended up breaking up with him. And then I moved countries. I started searching for how can someone else help me help all these people and reach these giant goals that I have. And so I got together with this really, really older man. <laughs> he told me promises, you know, I'll handle everything. You don't have to worry about a thing. Everything you've wanted, everything you, you know, you want to make a difference in, in this world, it's like I've done it before. I can help you do it. So I, I fell in with this older guy essentially, and it should have been a red flag. And it's honestly so funny, like telling this, but he basically proposed to me like, oh God, like literally like a week in. Oh <laughs> like a week in and well I could get into that but long story short um I found out thankfully pretty sh soon like relatively quick into that relationship yeah um that he ooh, first off on my own end I got into the relationship for the wrong reason so I'll take responsibility for that first um it wasn't out of love that I started that. It was out of lack. Um, yeah. I just felt like I couldn't do it on my own. And it just felt like he was the answer. So, but on his end though, <laughs> it turned out that he was much, much older than he told me he was. I, oh I found him online and I'm pretty sure he might have a criminal record. Um, he told me he had never been married and had no kids and yeah. I found out that he had been married and had like three kids. So all of this, all of this. So when I found out all of this, I was in a really vulnerable situation out in a different country by myself with this guy. Um, <laughs> and I can imagine. Oh my God, he must have felt so I was stressed. I was terrified, <laughs> but I did. I still had faith. I was like, okay. All I can do now is be smart. I have to get out of here. And I know that there's a reason for this. <laughs> there has to be. Um, so I ended up getting out of there. I packed up my suitcases and like flew out of the country. But he thought I was just leaving temporarily to visit my mom. But <laughs> anyway, so essentially going through all of this and realizing that that's how low I had gotten. I'd gotten to the point where I actually had no faith in myself. I had no, like I had so much self-doubt that I had enough knowledge, enough skill, enough um, anything. Like I just felt so much lack. So <laughs> I had such a great opportunity though, because it was such a low point to dive deep into <laughs> what that means. So that was probably the huge pivot point that brought me to um, having my current business, which is now doing like in less than, you know, a short, short time frame, less than a year doing over six figures in profit. Yeah. So that's kind of the big pivot that crazy. Um, most people would be embarrassed saying that. And I mean, my ego, sure. Embarrassment, it might be an emotion there, but, <laughs> <laughs> but all of that 
suffering and ridiculousness has been worth it in order to um, be where I am now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also there's power in kind of like saying the story because you feel better about it, even though, you know, it was a long while ago or short or whatever that is, whatever experience you're having, you kind of like in saying it, you feel less worse about it. And you're like, okay, yeah, maybe it sucked, but like I learned from it, you know? Yes, absolutely. There's always so much to learn from all of our painful experiences. It's all about the meaning we take from them. So say you get bullied or, you know, someone cheats on you, which both happened to me for sure. (laughs) So it's a matter of how do you perceive that? Does it mean that they're horrible or does it mean that, you know, you have to shrink yourself or change yourself in order to be accepted? Or do you take a different meaning from it that not all men are supposed to treat you well (laughs) because they're not? Or that, you know, you get to be exactly who you are that's more than okay. And you're not meant to fit in everywhere. You're supposed to belong to yourself and that you don't need anyone else's approval. So just the meaning we take from all the things we've been through. (laughs) I love that. And how did you actually come up with the idea of a course? Like, did you, like, once you started getting into the whole personal development, did you always know you wanted to do a course? Was it like, what were your thoughts going through that? Yes. Good question. You know, I think I just wanted to come up with a strategy that, well, like I said, since I had six businesses before, I got to learn through trial and error what was not quite right about all those other businesses. So Mm -hmm. some of them are product-based, some of them are service-based, but still kind of surfacey, like helping someone with aesthetics, looking better on the outside, helping them Mm -hmm. lose weight. Um, but I just felt deep down that I was here to help other people in a deeper way, you know, (laughs) with them being able to find their purpose and make money helping other people online with more freedom. So I think the course concept, um, was really just kind of analyzing what kind of business structure makes sense tangibly, but then also in terms of creating the lifestyle you want. So Mm -hmm. You can make a ton of money doing it, but um, I think the fact that you can actually help people shift their lives and being able to do it from my laptop, like I can bake cookies or hang out with my dog. And I think that that's kind of where the course structure came from. And then realizing that there's other women out there who are sick, (laughs) sick of settling, not that their jobs are necessarily awful or anything. I'm sure they're grateful for them but that they know they want more, that they can do more. So just realizing that I can help other people create that kind of lifestyle was sort of how I came about the uh, structure of having an online course business. Huh, that's very noble of you. And uh, speaking of, you know, all of you that you've learned and everything, what's the one tip that you think people should know to help them change their lives? You know, from going to oh, money to, yes, I'm abundant, you know, money come to me, I already have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a good one. I don't think there's one exact one I would give. I think I have two. Okay. <laughs> so the first one, so many people spend all of their time focusing on their present results or their past results. So they look at their bank account statement or they look at their past debt or whatever it is, and that's what they focus their energy on. And the emotion and action that is tied to people who are focusing on those results, it's going to result in them taking more actions, having more feelings aligned with them having those present results. So it does not serve you to focus on your present results. You, mm-hmm. you, as in whoever's listening, <laughs> are <laughs> focusing on the results in the income that you actually do want. So you need to take responsibility and take action to create what you actually want. So if 50% of the time you're focusing on your lack or what you don't have or what you wish was different, you're taking your power away from you. You need to shift that <laughs> to spend majority of your time focused on what you do want. And then you're going to attract. So it's a combination of 
manifestation, the woo-woo stuff, Mm -hmm. but really your mindset and your aligned actions with strategy. So focusing more on what you want is going to bring to you everything you need in order to actually start making more money and being more um, abundant. I feel like that's super useful. Like you said, a lot of people just concentrate on, oh, I'm missing this. Oh, my bank account's empty. Oh, I don't have a million followers. Oh. And like you said, there's so much opportunity in thinking, okay, what would happen if I already have those a million dollars, 50,000, 50 followers, 100, whatever? I feel like you're totally right and spot on on that. And that's an amazing tip. So if anyone ever, you know, listens to this and takes away one thing, is that live for the future and not for what you currently have, right? Am I Absolutely, right? Absolutely. Yes. And take, um, take all opportunity and be aware of what it is. So for instance, even just listening to this is an opportunity mm-hmm. to shift your perspective or to try out something different. And I think another huge tip that helped me change my life, <laughs> and I'm sure you probably experienced the same thing as well, but mm-hmm. the first time, like hiring a coach or a mentor always helps this process. You know, it's infinitely faster instead of figuring it out on your own. Like I said, you know, I did trial and error, six businesses. <laughs> you save so much time and money and anguish and like self-defeat by, um, you know, following someone else's framework or yeah. hearing someone else's advice than just doing it yourself. For sure. If anything, just the advice, I feel like it's golden. Because sometimes maybe when you started out, you probably felt it as well. You're like, I just want to know if what I'm doing is okay or if I'm insane and it's not going to work, right? You don't need someone to tell you, oh yeah, I see your future. It's going to work. You just need someone to say, okay, that's a good idea. Try it, right? Don't just go blindly. Okay, where should I go? Yes. And accountability and guidance for sure. Like, you know what? That's a great idea. But I think if we approach it this way instead, you will save yourself a lot of time. I think you'll um, get results a lot faster. You'll make money faster this way. You'll reach more people this way. Just little things like that, that they can point out um, by having that accountability and an experienced perspective. I love that. Those thoughts. So, so right. My last question before we go into the rapid fire fun question, the questions, sorry, <laughs> I prepared. Um, I'm pretty sure you've had at least one experience, thought, or feeling that you think you were the only one to live it or feel it at some point. So can you tell us what it was? And also, what would you tell people that might be thinking the same thing? Like, oh, I'm the only one doing this or feeling this. Ooh, okay. Ooh, good, good question. (laughs) So I think the thing that I used to think no one would have experienced or felt before was so much self-defeat that you move countries and get engaged to an older man, basically. (laughs) (laughs) So I think the main fear I had that held me back was like, who am I to do this? What do I have to offer? Um, all this self-doubt in actually going for what I actually wanted with my lifestyle, my business, like all that stuff. So I'd say that's the thing that I used to think no one else could possibly feel this way. <laughs> like yeah. there's no way that anyone else wants it so bad, but also feels like they can't have it <laughs> so bad. So I'd say that would be the main thing, but mm-hmm. To anyone else who's felt this way, because I've overcome it, you definitely can too. So first thing, I have a couple points on on this. Um, Definitely stop looking at other people's results and thinking that they have something that you don't. So we all have our own intellect. We all have our own heart, our own spirit. We all have access to all of the knowledge and tactics or strategies or mindset that there ever has been and that there ever is going to be. So, you know, you have your own unique experience, like things you've been through, things you've overcome, like your own passions and interests and a lot to offer to help other people. So overcoming this self-doubt is going to change your life in so many ways and nothing 
feel better than (laughs) finally proving to yourself that you are capable, you can do it, you will do it, and you did do it without (laughs) marrying an older man (laughs) who did it for you. (laughs) Like, you already are enough. All you need is within you. And then I think the last point is kind of just to get out of your own way and stop thinking about yourself (laughs) and how you want to feel safe or comfortable by holding yourself back. Because when it's all about you, you know, it's easier to back out or to let any, I guess, feeling like you're uncertain or any fear. It's easier to let that stop you if it's all about yourself. So as soon as you make it about your family, your dog, your children, or the people who you know you can help, um, it kind of just feels like gravity pushes you forward. Um, and like you have no choice but to take that leap of faith and actually go for it. That's a beautiful sentiment. Again, I love that. Guys, literally listen to the end to this. Obviously, if you're hearing this, you're at the end of this, but... <laughs> listen to what Sophia has to say. She has so much knowledge in her words and they're so true. Most of the times we are the ones that, you know, stop us from achieving greatness or our goals or being happy or insert whatever it is you're looking for. So definitely agree with you. And before we end this call, here come the lighthearted rapid fire question rounds. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay, my favorite question. What person, dead or alive, would you like to have dinner with and why? Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) Hmm. I think it would just be Tony Robbins because I feel like I already know him because I just listen to him so often. I've been to so many of his in-person events, like the six-day ones and – To me, I think he has such a well-rounded perspective and mindset Mm -hmm. (laughs) combined with, you know, the science of achievement, but also the art of fulfillment. I think a lot of people think, like we're talking about today, like they think money and reaching all this success or achievement is going to make you feel better, but it won't. (laughs) You also need to be connected and spiritual and fulfilled. So I think... I find him the most um, fascinating, but Mm -hmm. being said, (laughs) I would never be someone who would pedestal one person and think that everybody, like this one person has all the answers. I think it's so important for all of us to have a healthy skepticism and to like kind of pick and choose from different role models. You know, what do we like from each person and how can we take that and implement it for ourselves? So Tony Robbins, but like, not Tony Robbins. You know what I mean? (laughs) For sure. That's a great way of putting it. And you're definitely right in that. So would you rather always be 10 minutes late or always be 20 minutes early? 20 minutes early. Interesting. Okay. If money and time and obviously Corona wasn't an object right now, what would you be doing or where would you be right now? Hmm. I think I'd be in Spain. (laughs) Hmm. I'm supposed to do a mastermind out in Spain. So I think Spain, but always on the move. So I guess similarly to not having one specific person I'd want to see, I also am obsessed with traveling. So there's so many places I could be and it's exciting. So many opportunities. I feel you. I definitely feel you. I cannot wait for the day where we can start traveling again. Oh my God. Yes. I think it's coming soon. I know I accidentally... I ended up watching a Trump video the other day. He seems pretty adamant on opening the borders. So, Fingers crossed it'll be soon. Okay. Do you prefer ocean or mountains? Both. <laughs> Is that allowed? I'll, I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide. Spring or winter, or it could be summer or winter. Basically warm weather or cold weather. Ooh. Okay. I'm going to go with spring just because mm-hmm. – In the city I live in, it gets down to minus 30, minus 40 some days. And if I didn't have the ability to travel, like I would say spring for sure. But I do travel through the winter anyway, so it makes it easier to handle. But yeah. Wow, minus 30, minus 40. It hurts to go outside, Sabrina. (laughs) I can imagine. Like I'm dying when it's minus 5, minus 8. I cannot imagine minus 30. 
Yeah. I just hibernate. I literally not leave my apartment home or whatever. I just, you know, stay, order groceries, not leave, just stay in the warmth. Absolutely. And vitamin D sunshine and being able to get outside, get fresh air is so important. And so many people in minus 30, I mean, you don't get outside for a couple weeks, really. It's gray. Um, It can be depressing. So, I mean, obviously, your attitude and perspective is important. (laughs) But if if it's optional, definitely prefer sunshine. (laughs) I agree. Texting or phone calls? Phone calls. I hate texting. I'm the worst texter. <laughs> really? Wow. And you're a millennial. I I used to think all millennials hated phone calls because I hate phone calls. Like I hate, you know, just somebody rings my phone. I'm like, no. what? <laughs> but I know that it's coming. See, that's the thing. For me, it's the fact that it just a call is unannounced. And I'm like, what do you want? I don't know if I want to pick up. <laughs> But a podcast call, it's like scheduled in. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to call this person at this time. Okay, got it. Okay, so I'm a scheduled call person too. I ignore my phone all day. So that's why I'm not a text person either. Like sometimes my inbox or my text messages, I guess, get to like 30 unreads. So um, I love phone calls just because I feel like it's more intimate. You get to actually feel the person's emotion. Whereas I feel like over text... I never put in effort and it's easy for things to get misconstrued. Like a hundred percent. I agree with you on that. A hundred percent. Okay. I have two more fashion or beauty. Hmm. (laughs) It's a tough one. I think. Yep. Fashion. Okay. I like that. Yeah. And the last, if you could choose, do you wake up early or sleep out? Not on a regular day if you had the choice. I guess it depends what early and late is because it's all relative. <laughs> so are we talking like noon or like nine o'clock as in sleeping in? Um, okay, so wake up early, I would say like seven, eight-ish. And anything later than that would be sleeping out. So like after 10, for example. Okay, I'm going to go early just because I've shifted my sleep schedule. Um, mm-hmm. But when I used to like party and drink and whatever (laughs) like for sure I'd sleep till like noon or one some days um but now like eight o'clock would be late for me (laughs) so I'll go with early okay well that was very interesting I got to know you a bit more specifically after you know hearing all of your story talking to you I hope you guys feel the same way after listening to this episode and with everything that Sophia beautifully put into her experiences and everything. And if you guys want to follow her, you're going to find the description. You're going to find her link and Instagram handle in the description. So you can go check her out. She has really cool content. If you like to travel or, you know, see beautiful pictures of places and things, definitely go follow her. They have great captions. So, you know, she mixes them both. Go you. (laughs) And I had so much fun talking to you. I hope you enjoyed your first experience on the podcast. And yeah, what do you feel? Thank you so much, Sabrina. Seriously, such a beautiful first podcast experience. It was tons of fun. And yeah, it just felt natural. So thanks so much. I'm so glad. So guys, I will speak to you soon. Have a great week and peace out, everybody. 